and culture summits the airwaves this is the nine rails arts podcast i'm todd oberndorfer and i'm joined by my producer and podcaster in crime r brandon long we are the banyan collective arts and adventure podcasting since 2010 This episode includes a conversation with the design team from the new Nine Rails Arts Plaza. We're joined by representatives from Sasaki, Union Creative Agency, IO Land Arc, and Ogden City. We we're we are already recording. We did kind of a little test episode. This is our first Zoom uh, Nine Rails podcast, and if this goes well, and I assume that it will, then I plan on doing more of these. And so uh, the fact that essentially now every Zoom meeting is a potential podcast, and so I guess might as well start joining people for that. So uh, this is going to be, I believe, episode twenty-four of the Nine Rails Arts podcast. Um, this will be a reintroduction after about eight months of being away. So thank you so much for finding the time for today. Because we have such an amazing group today, I am going to do some introductions, which I don't always do. And so we're going to start with Ogden City. Um, Lori Buckley is here with us and Sarah Mace. Sarah, un- is it Mace or Meese? I've never asked you officially. It's Meese. 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 Mace. Okay, I, Mace. Okay, M A. So I have heard and I have misspelled your or probably mispronounced your name for years. And so Mace. Um, so Sarah, it's good to see you. Lori, it's good to see you. Uh, Lori Buckley is the arts coordinator with Ogden City Arts. She works closely with the Ogden City Arts Advisory Committee. Uh, and there might be a few members of your committee here with us today. Um, who do I see here? That's Jake and myself and Cam. Four. Um, and who's the other one? Brandon. It's been a while, Todd. Yeah. Brandon pops in and out. He was chair, you know. I haven't logged in yeah, since COVID, so yeah. Brandon, it's good to see you as well. I forgot you're even in that corner. So thank <laughs> I'll you be so over much, here yeah. producing if you need me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you can be quiet now. So we're good. <laughs> Done. Um, and so uh, being involved with the Ogden City Arts Advisory Committee, you help produce events such as Ogden's First Friday Art Stroll and the Mayor Awards for the Arts. Uh, the Ogden City Arts Advisory Committee is responsible for Ogden City Arts grants, mm-hmm. uh, public art installations, and many other arts-related programming, uh, of which you have kept us very, very busy with uh, public art programming, which we can talk about on another show. Uh, Sarah Mace is also with us today. She is Ogden City Business Development Division Manager and Project Manager. Sarah oversees the division's strategy for supporting business and economic growth. She leads the division's business retention and expansion program, supports a variety of downtown revitalization projects, uh, including, of course, the Nine Rails Creative District. 
of which we have chatted with you a few times. Uh, we are also joined by Sasaki. Sasaki is an interdisciplinary design firm practicing. You all have such amazing mission statements, so I'm using them. Uh, mm -hmm. So you practice architecture, interior design, planning and urban design, space planning, landscape architecture, ecology, civil engineering, oh my lands, and place branding. The firm is headquartered in Boston, but practice practices as an, uh, at an international scale. Uh, second office in Shanghai and a third office in Denver. And we'll talk about Denver in just a second. Hello, Boston. Hello, Denver. Sasaki is known for a uniquely collaborative design process that yields integrated contextual designs. And uh, representing Sasaki today is Anna Kors. And Anna, I always call you Anna. Is it Kors? It's Anna Kors. Yeah, that's great. Oh, perfect. Okay, I nailed it. Uh, Anna Kors. Is a, is a What's that? It's the first time ever, so nice job. <laughs> perfect. Uh, Anna is a landscape architect with Sasaki and the senior associate director of the new Denver office, which is where you are now? Correct, yeah, I'm in Denver. Excellent. Uh, Ashley, is it Peltier? That's great. Okay, it's close enough, I like that. Yeah. Is an associate landscape architect with Sasaki and is Anna's partner in crime, is that safe to say? Definitely. Okay, perfect. And so we are moving forward. This is gonna be about a fourth of the show now, my lands, we have so many amazing people. Is Union Creative, Union Creative is a stakeholder-centered design agency that infuses creativity, strategy, and the culture um, into organizations and communities. They represent meaningful, innovative, and exciting solutions by collaborating with clients, partnering organizations, and stakeholders to create meaningful projects designed for impact. Union Creative is based in Ogden, representing uh, yeah, there's a little clapping right there. Representing Union Creative is the founder of Union Creative, uh, Jake McIntyre, who is a designer, social catalyst, and arts advocate. Hello, Jake. Thanks for joining us today. Um, also with Union Creative, uh, particularly on this project, is Cam McLeod. Hello, Cam. Uh, Cam is a visual storyteller and photographer whose work reflects mountain culture, action sports, and adventurous lifestyles. He's worked with brands such as Columbia. I'll, I'm going to do a little name dropping, even if you don't often. Uh, Heli Hansen, Marmot, and Solomon. You've been featured in Outside Magazine and Ski Magazine, and your work has graced the covers of Powder Magazine and Backpacker Magazine. Also representing Union Creative to some small degree is myself, uh, who just tags along on everyone else's coattails. And so we'll just leave it at that. And then also, and unexpectedly and happily, is uh, is Matt Kilbrew, who is also joining us. Uh, Matt, you are... Uh, a student at Weber State, a student of design, and uh, you are interning with Uni Creative for the time being. Is it a project-based internship? Is it for a year, or is it until he makes you go away? He's no longer an internship. He hired me. Shut up. It's official. Don't talk anymore. <laughs> You're allowed to talk now. I, I'm allowed to talk now. Yeah, yeah. I've got a title and everything. No longer intern. Are you allowed to look Jake in the eye yet, or do you still have to look down when he comes down. into a room? Damn. Yes. Yeah, you still have we're, to. We're look getting down. there. I think that that is an excellent start. Um, <laughs> and last but not least uh, is IO Land Architecture. It goes. Is it Land Arc? Is that what you're? Land art, full yeah. Land art, I love it. <laughs> uh, which is, of course, short for landscape architecture. 
Um, you also specialize in urban design studio, specializing in community revitalization through historic preservation, creative placemaking, and outdoor recreation. It seems like yes. you set up a nice shop in Ogden for that. Their work is focused <laughs> on the continuation of regional narrative, weaving history, ecology, culture, and meaningful are uh, meaning together for projects that involve from and advance the spirit of the Intermountain West. And joining us with IO Land Arc is Shalay Larson, uh, the, the principal of founding landscape architect. Her unique design and planning perspective integrates a deep appreciation for indigenous landscapes and the vernacular of the West. <sighs> Nicely done, <Thank> everybody. <laughs> I see a lot of things for, that cross right? over. So and that's all we have yeah, time for. Right. <laughs> nice meeting everybody. I think our follow-up episode will actually talk about the Arts Plaza. Um, okay, so we are going to move into things. I'm kind of going to start from the beginning, and we'll kind of work from there. Um, I feel like part of us, uh, if we haven't already, we should be pouring out a 40-ounce on the grounds of the courtyard in Motel. Um, but I think that uh, pouring out the 40 is usually a sign of reverence, and uh, that place was super sketchy. And Maybe so, it's uh, a sign of good riddance. Yeah, it's kind. It kind of is. I, although I did learn some street <laughs> smarts. I learned some street smarts. Street smarts from that corner. Just I think the things that I saw in that corner. So, um, so after after a series of events, Ogden City bought the motel uh, for a little less than a million dollars in 2017, and did a very extreme home makeover. Um, Another half a million dollars and a few years later, the motel is now demolished. Uh, the lot is now stabilized and secure and uh, it is ready. It's, it's getting all dressed up and ready to go to the ball. Um, and so this, this first question's uh, directed of course to Sarah and Lori, but anyone else can pipe in of course. Uh, was the city always imagining an arts and culture centerpiece connecting downtown Ogden with the East Central neighborhood? And so when, when all this happened, I know that many years has passed between the purchase and where we're at now. And so we can start with you, Sarah, if you'd like to catch us up just a little bit. Yeah, so I think that idea of using the arts to create a corridor that connects all the way from Union Station up into the East Central neighborhood is something that's been around for a long time, um, since well before Lori or I even started at the city. Um, and we began to revisit that idea, I think it was in 2015, um, looking at how we could use creative placemaking in the arts to create a, a stronger and more vibrant connection between downtown and East Central. Um, so we wrote a grant application to the NEA, the National Endowment for the Arts, um, under their Our Town program, and we got some initial funding that allowed us to kind of flesh out that vision and do some planning for what um, we originally thought was a creative corridor has now expanded to become a creative district, what that would look like and um, how we could use that to bring more art out into the public realm, make that part of it, the community's everyday experience um, and create an environment where creatives and, and other artists want to live and work. Yeah, and to expand a little bit on what Sarah said, um, the catalyst kind of that she spoke of in 2015 was the beginning of the creation of the Arts Master Plan. And um, in the process of making that, that was a two-year process of many, um, Jake McIntyre actually was, uh, helped the city, and he was the main driver behind most of the public input sessions with the, with the community, collecting what kind of needs and wants the community was looking for. 
And part of our research in data collection brought us to the fact that we needed to create an environment where artists can thrive and make a living. And so then became uh, the part one of the goals or strategies and objectives of that plan was the creation of a creative district. I love it. Jake, did we miss any steps? All right. Um, I think that this idea of being able to use arts and culture as a bridge between, you know, historic 25th Street and East Central Ogden, both of which have vibrant spaces, but really thinking about how do we, how do we form a bridge between them that feels equally vibrant? Um, you know, that was kind of the main nexus of, of where we're, where we're going. I love it. Now, knowing that uh, Ogden can be ambitious, um, we can do a lot of studies and we can, um, start a lot of projects. What was it about this particular project um, that made it a priority? Because this was definitely one of those projects that started slow uh, and gained speed and then just went crazy, right? And so what was it that made this a priority for the city? Um, part, let me, I'll answer part of it. And I think Sarah needs to chime in on this, but um, the main part, like I uh, mentioned before, was uh, we actually adopted that um, arts master plan in 2017. And one of the goals actually called out that the creative district be, you know, created. So then Sarah jumped off on that task of doing a master plan for a creative district. And in the process of doing activation events and and uh, as part of her NEA grant, um, it, it kind of came to light that we needed a programmable space for public, the public to gather. And, um, and it was really serendipitous that the courtyard um, was acquired by the city and it gave us a space to, to jump, jump off on this you know, venture. I love it, Sarah. Yeah, and I think from the economic development perspective, um, the city has really understood the opportunity that creative placemaking creates. Um, so I've had the question before, like, oh, you work in business development. What are you doing working on this arts project? Um, which is a fair question. But uh, one, it's really fun. Um, but second and more importantly is the fact that the arts can really be a catalyst um, to create the type of environment here in our community where people want to live and grow businesses and pursue their creative endeavors. Um, that's that's really important to the, the growth and the success of the community. And I think um, Ogden's story that's more often told is how Ogden's reinvented itself around the outdoor industry um, and just the access to incredible, incredible outdoor recreation that we have here. Mm -hmm. um, and that is certainly true. And I think we see the creative sectors as another opportunity, another catalyst like that, um, where we can really use that um, to kind of define our identity as a community. It's already a huge part of the community's identity here, which I didn't realize before I started working on this project. Um, and just looking at how we can use that as, as a catalyst for, for economic growth here in the community. I love it. Okay, so uh, the Arts Plaza became a priority. Um, the first steps on that to kind of fill everybody in 
is it was decided to, what were the original steps? Shalai, when were you brought in to originally envision that plaza? Um, so Jake, jog my memory. Was it 2015 or 2016 that we did some initial, a very preliminary kind of conceptual design for the plaza? But that, that actually predated the, the whole Nine Rails Creative District master plan even. Like I think very early on, shortly after the city acquired or when they were in the process of acquiring the motel, at that point, um, Brandon with the city asked us to take a look at what what could we do with this space if we tore the motel down. So it wasn't, it, I mean, part of it, yeah, was a design for the plaza, but part of it was just trying to visualize how cool and vibrant a space that could become without a motel there, which I think is what really got the ball rolling and got people kind of excited about the possibilities that that space presented. And so how important was it for those next steps to present that visual? And so this is kind of a question a little bit for anybody, if you're interested, is the fact that some of us are able to envision things better than others, right? And so with what you're able to provide, and this applies definitely to Ashley and Anna as well, when you, when you can give those visuals early on in the process, how much easier does that make the next step? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, so part of the challenge with this, I think part of the challenge with Ogden in general is that we have a surplus of vacant lots. So anytime you start talking about, okay, we're going to tear down this building, clearly this building needed to be torn down. Um, clearly other, there are other certain buildings in our community that need to be torn down. I think there, there's, a, there's an initial resistance to people just because they don't want any more holes or gaps in the community. Um, but, but yeah, definitely, you know, a picture, a picture is worth a thousand words. Uh, that sounds trite, but it's so true because, you know, once you paint that, that vision of, you know, not, not just what the space is going to look like, but more about the spirit of that place and the energy of that place. Uh, I think that's what really got people kind of jazzed about the idea. And if we can kind of push this just a little bit further and actually, and if you have any thoughts, as far as really being able to take it to that next level, right? And I'm really interested in that as far as pushing that vision uh, to either investors or the city or other partners. And so give me some examples on how that's worked for you, uh, what you've learned as far as the importance of those steps. Is that a question for me or for... Uh, anybody that might be interested. <laughs> Ashley, Ashley, what are your thoughts on that? I think actually Anna would be good to jump in on this. Sorry. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I'm going to go back to your, you know, original question about um, using visuals to really communicate an idea. I mean, as designers, we are visual people. So I would say creating that visual graphic is something that really helps us first to understand what we're doing. And it's always this constant back and forth between know, the big idea, the big picture down to the little details. And once we can kind of get that concept, the big idea sort of grounded, it's it's so important to then take that out and show a graphic and be able to communi communicate that to the community. And it's the easiest way to kind of get feedback, to get initial reactions is when they can imagine themselves in that space. And by having kind of that vision, again, with the community and sort of building on that um, and the feedback we get from them, it is easier to kind of build this momentum and really take it out to future donors, to take it out to um, other entities that really need to get buy-off on the project. 
So again, I think it, it starts for us at the very beginning. I think the initial sketch that we do, we're always kind of thinking in 3D, we're thinking graphically and then trying to take that back out to the community. I love it. And so Sarah and Lori, either one of you. And so once Chalet gave some of those initial thoughts, um, those initial visuals, what was, and, and of course, Jake as well. Yeah. What were the, what was the next step? How'd we get a little bit closer to where we're at now? Well, I think, um, I really think the next step was when Brendan had pretty much made it um, okay that this became part of the part of the creative district as a, an arts plaza or a, a plaza of sorts, a community gathering space. And the next step was uh, I took it from there and created what we use to bring to city council um, to ask for funds for public art funds. We asked for public art money to create a design. Um, and this is where Sasaki came in. We, we, we wrote an RFQ and put it out to into the universe to look for a good designer to come and help us create this picture that's, you know, telling the story of what this plaza would become. So we took it to city council and got that approved to, to use public art funds to pay Sasaki to bring this, you know, help us make this dream come true. If I could rewind a little bit too, just some a little bit more of the background there. Mm-hmm. Um, between between when Jake and I did kind of the initial conceptual stuff, and then when when our whole team led by Sasaki uh, initiated this project, there was this whole I think a very important in between step of creating the master plan for the whole nine rails district, yes. which was re- I mean the community involvement in that process was just amazing, probably one of the best projects that I've ever worked on in terms of just the energy of the community behind that and how everyone really um, rallied around the creative district. And I, and I truly believe that it's the feedback and the participation and the energy from the community that, that really drove this plaza as being the flagship project. So I don't, I, I definitely don't, I mean, I don't, Feel like there was this huge top-down push where it was like the city saying this has to be the project it was like the community and I remember we had a, a meeting gosh was it last winter I can't remember and and you guys presented a couple of different options to the to the whole nine rails uh steering committee or the whole the whole nine rails um organization and basically said what do you guys want to see and it seemed like the consensus was really to move forward so so just kudos to the city on an amazing public participation uh, process through this. It, I, it gives me chills. It really does. It has been one of those projects. And it's been one of those projects where um, I, at some point, integrated myself into this. Now, this has been many, many years ago, just because of my own excitement. And, and going to an open house wasn't enough. And so that really started my whole journey into this whole program. And so, um, okay, so so you put out a request. Um, a winning team was selected. The team consisted of, I'll let you take it from there, Lori. Um, well, part of the request, and this is a, this was a big key component was um, some of our feedback was that we do these large um, RFQs and locals don't usually have the chance because they don't have the experience. And so um, Sarah actually tweaked the RFQ to require the design firms that were we're applying to um, get this uh, commission that they work with 
a, a local design firm and local lo, some of the locals. And so every design firm that um, it was kind of a feeding frenzy that when all the design firms that were applying actually reached out into the Ogden community to get team members to join on as um, part of their submission or application. And so that's kind of how Chalet and uh, Union Creative and Jake McIntyre came on board with Sasaski. And um, so we reviewed and we got a lot of good submissions and, you know, went through the review process and, you know, ended up with Sasaski and Jake and Chalet. And we're super happy with our decision. And Sarah, did you want to jump in and add anything on that? If I'm missing anything? No, maybe just, um, I would add it was some really, I think, really great feedback we got through the Nine Rails District Association as we started talking about moving this project, the plaza, into implementation and how we were going to proceed with selecting a design firm. It was really feedback that we heard from our district members that drove us to include that yeah. that emphasis on working with local partners. And I think the feedback was like, hey, part of developing a creative district is continuing to build the creative capacity that already exists here. Mm -hmm. um, and part of that is making sure that local artists and local design firms have the opportunity to work on um, some larger scale projects, especially as they move from concept into construction. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, I would just say we really value the feedback that we got in some of those discussions with the district association that kind of shaped our approach to the, the RFQ process. And it's making for better design too. Anna, with all your experience uh, working nationally, internationally, how important is that local connection and how common is that local connection when you're doing projects? Um, I was just going to say it's been an amazing process working with Chalet and Jake and their teams. And it is absolutely important. You know, we're coming in um, to a community and we want to provide ideas that really resonate with a community that makes sense in an environment. And we have to have those people that, you know, live and breathe that area every day. And, you know, Chalet and Jake do that. And they are constantly, you know, going back and forth with us saying, hey, this is great, but what if you tweaked your design a little bit this way? Um, and really their ideas are embedded into the design. And we do that on all of our projects. And it's not just bringing on, you know, a local, just as um, kind of a, a sort of a, a firm that's, you know, needs to be represented there. It's really part of our design process and they're part of our team. Um, and so we couldn't have been more fortunate and lucky to really work with Jake and Chile on this. You chose a good kickball team. Like when everybody's sort of choosing teams and things, it worked out really well. <laughs> you know, I feel like we got first pick. <laughs> well, and you know what? I'm going to agree. Just, yeah. Yeah. I, and likewise, we just so enjoyed working with you all. And I, I think that, I think the proof is in the results. I mean, it's been a great collaboration and I think that the, the design is turning out so good. I'm so excited. Uh, perfect transition. Thank you so much, Shalei, for that. Um, uh, we're going to talk about uh, Sasaki's namesake, Hideo Sasaki. Uh, graduated from Harvard's Graduate School of Design in 1948, uh, which at that time, and this is a nice little kick-ass fact, uh, was under the direction of Walter Gropius, which some of you might know as the founder of Bauhaus and Weimar, Germany, which uh, when I ran across that, that was it. I completely geeked out. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan, big fan of the Bauhaus. And so that connection, um, I'm probably never going to leave you guys alone now. I'm just <laughs> somehow going to always be involved. Uh, now, 
Hideo was interested in the inter in the interaction of land, buildings, and the greater environment. Now, uh, this is 60 years later. How does Hideo Sasaki's notion of oasis, and I love that word oasis, um, which we all know is that uh, sort of fertile spot in the desert where water is found, which describes Utah very, very well. Um, and that landscapes can restore the human spirit, inspire your process. And so that's kind of where we're gonna start with uh, Sasaki's involvement coming in and your background as well. Yeah, I, I mean, that whole concept is really what drew me to Sasaki. I mean, I have to say a little bit of my personal background. Um, my father worked for the U.S. Forest Service, and so I grew out of um, grew up outside of national forests in Wyoming and Montana and Colorado my whole life. So big nature was my backyard. And then I became obsessed with cities and undergrad and realized that landscape architecture is really this intersection between cities and the environment. And that's exactly what Hideo was talking about. He's talking about bringing nature into cities, no matter the context, no matter the size. It's really about bringing this restorative environment and creating opportunities for people to connect to nature in our cities. And, you know, fast forward today, there's been so many studies about the benefits of, of nature in our cities, whether it's Charles Montgomery talking about the happy city and really bringing environment into our cities, or Stephen Kaplan talking about restorative environments. There's all these mental and social um, and health benefits of having these beautiful spaces uh, in, of environments in our cities. And so I think that sort of base of Sasaki and using that as you know this connection between land and buildings and the greater environment is really what drives, I think, the, the design for all of us. And it's really what inspires us every day. And it's, it's how we work as an interdisciplinary firm, um, really, again, trying to bring those benefits, trying to bring that restorative environment into our landscapes. Um, so that big idea and bringing that to the plaza here in Ogden is exactly what we wanted to do. Um, and I would love to, I could talk about this forever, but I'd love to hand it over to Ashley to really, you know, get into some more details. Yeah, I think the the notion of public open space as being an oasis is as important as ever. I mean, in this time of COVID, um, it's we're seeing it's critically important to have a safe space for folks to gather, either to socialize or to protest, um, just have an arranged experience together um, in a safe space. So um, in that quote, Hideo is also talking about the love and care that goes into the work in creating these spaces. And I think that's extremely important, especially in a process like this. You know, each project that we come to, we uh, come to as a custom approach. Each project is custom, responding to a new set of community needs um, and environmental needs. So if we don't put that love and care into creating these spaces, they're not going to be successful. They're not going to be that public oasis. I think, you know, Ashley mentioned COVID and, and it's really shown the importance of our public spaces now more than ever in, in cities and towns. You know, public spaces are where you go to, you know, exercise. It's where you go to work. It's where you go to connect with people that you haven't been able to talk to for weeks on end. So we need now more than ever to really be investing in those public spaces, which is exactly what's happening in Ogden right now. And, um, you know, I, I must because we have such a, an incredible group right now. I would love to take that just a little bit further and introduce, you know, sort of Chalet's and Jake's opinion on that as well. Um, because uh, landscape architecture is such a fascinating field. It really is. And for somebody like myself, who is who more than anything appreciates it, right? Um, 
What are your thoughts? Uh, what got you interested, Jake, sort of in this area or Shalay? I know it's a basis for both of you know what you do. You're muted, Shalay. Sorry, are you Perfect. asking? We, we what can got check me? that off your list. Yes, <laughs> bingo. Um, did you? Are you? Are you asking what interested me in landscape architecture? Yeah, what excited you? In I the mean, first place. Right. I, I mean, the same thing. I, so I grew up in a, in a fairly rural or semi-rural part of Idaho and my, my grandparents lived and my grandpa was a rancher and, and I just grew up just spending so much time outdoors and, and in these wild, beautiful places and was immediately drawn to landscape architecture as a profession because it, it integrated my particular skill sets, um, my ability, you know, my my love of, of ecology and, and math and, and science and art. Um, but once I got into it, I realized that designing really great, amazing urban spaces is what needs to happen to really preserve the really amazing natural spaces and the wild places. So if we have, if we have great, vibrant, dense, um, livable city centers, then people won't feel the need to sprawl out all over the landscape and all over, uh, all over our, our prime agricultural farmland. Um, so it's like, it, it seems like a, a conflict um, in your mind when you think of, oh, I wanna, I wanna preserve nature and, and, and make nature awesome by creating really great urban centers. But those two, they're just two sides of the same coin. It's a really uh, symbiotic relationship there. And now more than ever bringing, bringing actual ecology and, and bringing native vegetation and, and sustainability principles into urban centers is a whole, I mean, it's, it's a, an amazing part of what we do now. And I, I love it, so. Now, Jake, you're not a landscape architect yourself, but you have been working with Chile for a very, very long time. And so what drew you to Chile and what she did as early on as you did? Yeah, so my works uh, come at it from a little bit of a different angle. Uh, my background is in collaborative design. So the, the medium that I think of working in is collaboration and participation, engagement. Um, and for me, that exists in urban public spaces or urban spaces in general. It's about thinking of how do we connect community? How do we create spaces where people feel welcome, people feel confident, comfortable to engage, um, a place that that really builds culture. Um, so that's the kind of lens I bring to this is thinking about the, the human aspect and how do we create spaces for humans? Um, and especially in Ogden, how do we create spaces that are different than anything else we have and that can help solve some of the challenges and build upon the great strengths that we have. Um, and what connected me to, to working with Chalet is just as I began, my journey of coming back to Ogden and wanting to get engaged in creative fields here. Um, her and I got connected through some other projects, but I think what really has kept us working together is our interest in what Chalet uses of grassroots design. Um, and I think that resonates very much with me. I call it something different, um, but I think we're coming from the same concept of how do we help to build places from the bottom up um, and I think there's a, a top-down value in that too, but really how do we build strong, vibrant places from the bottom up, giving as much voice to the community as possible so that we build places that actually reflect the people that live there. Mm -hmm. Jake, that was a brilliant transition to my next comment. Um, 
So as I said before, I am a, a super geek on the Bauhaus, and uh, and the, the biggest thing with them was that the the, the their method of learning and practice um, it set aside that early design philosophy of, of working individually, right? So they brought about something new where you collaborated. And so I would love to honestly, yeah, Jake is drinking already. We could drink every time we say collaboration, right? Um, as far as collaborating and working together with the team that we have here today, um, what I want to do next uh, is we can be as brief as or, or as long-winded as you want to. Let's talk about collaboration and the importance of collaboration because that's honestly what brings together projects like this. Um, I am, I've, I've just started, I'm halfway through my first semester, I decided to go back to grad school and I'm doing a uh, arts administration program. And so one of the things that I am completely drawn to, especially with the work that I've done, is the idea of collaboration. And so I would love to hear everybody's opinion on the importance of that. Um, I want to shove that down the throat of every listener that we have and how important that is uh, in the most positive way possible. Uh, Lori, let's start with you. I have a quick comment on that. I, I have to say, without collaboration in a community, there would be so much less programming, so many less public offerings. And, you know, it's there's strength in numbers. So when you bring people together, magical things can happen. And this plaza is a perfect example. Um, if, was it if it were just left on the city's plate, we would be nowhere near where we are. Like Sarah and I sat, would sit back and go, how, how are we going to program and activate the district? Like we don't have money. We didn't have a space. And the only reason why this is happening is because, you know, we have a private foundation that came forward to collaborate. Uh, um, Ogden Contemporary Arts has come forward to work with us. Weber State you know, Chalet, Sasaski, Union Creative. So it took the power of many to create something so amazing. So like you just, collaboration is the only way to go. I love it. Who would like to jump in next? Yeah, I'll chime in next. So I think Perfect. a lot of times when I hear the term collaboration, you think of kind of everyone coming together, being on the same um, same page, sort of moving together forward um, in, in a very consistent way. But I also think collaboration is about bringing people together with different voices, different opinions, and not everyone agrees, right? And that's when it gets good. It's when you have those differing voices and those um, ideas and, and creating that kind of, that creative friction that you really come out with a better design. Because if you come together and collaborate and everyone's on the exact same page, that means you miss something, you know, that it's a, it's a diluted design. It's not as good as it could be. So I, I really love the idea of collaboration as being this um, moment where you're bringing all different voices together mm -hmm. and really coming away with something that has a little bit of everyone's voice, but it, it's it's going to be better when there is that kind of that friction and then um, maybe uh, disagreement at some point. I love it. And speaking of creative friction, that is a perfect transition to uh, Union Creative. Um, I think that's in their byline right there. And so... Uh, uh, let's go to let's go to Cam. What are your thoughts? I think he he represents our friction between the three of us. But I love everything you're saying. Every time that every time Cam and Jake and I get on a call together, um, we don't want it to go smoothly entirely, right? We want to bring up those differing ideas. Uh, what are your thoughts, Cam? I mean, I could just echo what Anna said. Really, I love the dissonance that happens, or like the the collision when collaboration happens. Um, and I do think that that really elevates a product, whatever it is you're working on. And I think it's, 
it's, it's like, it's not beneficial to assume that a creative process is a self um, driven pursuit. Um, I think oftentimes if we were left to that, um, it, it just the end product would not be nearly as interesting um, as it is when you invite others to participate and point out flaws or where you could make improvements. So um, I think it's a great point and something I look forward to either on the receiving end or being able to just sort of provide that um, contrasting view or pushback. Ashley, what do you think? I mean, the best work comes out from collaboration, echoing what, you know, Kim and, and Anna said. Um, it's been kind of a joy, especially on this project, collaborating with this crew, um, you know, getting on the folk with, phone with uh, Chalet and Jake and, and Anna and, and just kind of riffing off each other um, on mirror board, um, kind of uh, sketching together has been a blast. And um, as they all know, I get really excited when we come up with a good idea. Um, and something, you know, it, it, that's the beauty of, you know, the firm Sasaki that we work with. We have so many people that we can easily pull into the process um, and and have specialties of and, and know things that you have no idea um, or, or have little background about. Um, and it makes things so much richer. Um, and yeah, it, it's been a fantastic process. And I would add to that the collaboration with the local community too and and jake and obviously your whole team the the whole union creative outreach component of this but i've been you think during covid and and social distancing and all of that that it would be so hard to to have these you know have public feedback to have um the steering committee meetings that we've had and i think you know i've actually in some ways the um public outreach and the collaboration with the community has actually been better um, because we've been forced to think outside the box and totally, you know, all the credit goes to, to, to your team on this, um, uh, union creative, but, but yeah, I think post COVID there's definitely a lot of things that we're going to take out of this and, and continue to do in terms of and community I, collaboration. And I love that you said that. I think that, uh, I was, I was writing something the other day and, and somebody was using that whole return to normal. And for me, when I hear that, it's frustrating like because I don't want that exactly. Because um, I think we have learned so much during this time. And I think as much of that as we can integrate into things. I uh, have been working from home. If I, A, if I never returned to an office again, I would be fine personally. Um, but even if I could just limit that time to the amount that I can get done in other ways, I, you know, I am fully on board. Uh, Sarah, anything you'd like to contribute to that? You work with a lot of people. Yes, but I think that's um, that's probably been the most exciting thing about the whole design process. Is it's just, you know, you'll you'll participate in a meeting where you hear this huge diversity of perspectives, or sometimes there'll be a point of conflict, and you'll think, oh my gosh, how are we ever going to resolve this in a way that that works for everybody and it still all hangs together. Um, and so just seeing how this design team has been able to respond to that. And instead of seeing that as a challenge, it's like every time one of those points of conflict or challenges come up, come up, something even more exciting happens on the other side of that. And that's just been super fun to see, see that happen. Uh, can I build off that just real quickly? Of course. Um, I think that point of, you know, building collaboration that, 
has diverse enough perspectives that you know you're going to run into to conflict is an, actually a really exciting place to be. And I often think about it as collaborating with the constraints of a project. Um, and those constraints often evolve and change as the project goes on. But conflict is, I think, a really healthy part of a design process. And as we run into the challenges that a particular person on a team might bring up because they view from a totally different lens, right? The designers might think this is great. The finance person might look at it or the zoning perspective person might look at it, whomever, right? And say, that's not going to work. Then that variable now becomes a new collaborator on your team. Um, And you now get to start thinking about that as a boundary you get to work within. And I think that's why it gets increasingly creative and the solutions get increasingly good as you move through a process was because you're just continuing to kind of bump into these new constraints that become part of the team. Uh, And then within that, you can find these really exciting boundaries and exciting solutions that that wouldn't be there if it was just, you know, an individual person sitting on the site looking for inspiration, right? You really need to be able to, to bump into each other. And I also, I often think of this idea that like not all stakeholders in a process are humans, right? There's all sorts of other variables that we have to design with. And I think, you know, it's been fun with this project that Sasaki, I think you all approach it in a really similar way that like these design constraints are really helpful and they're really healthy part of the process. And I know that's something that Shalay and I talked about as we were working on teaming up with you. It was exciting to us as we felt like, you know, whether it's budget or whether it's other weird cultural things in, in the community or it's other other variables, right, that those wouldn't be viewed as limitations, but rather those are like fuel to, to build a creative solution. Building off of what Shalay was saying about community outreach, I think COVID has actually made it better. Um, this process um, that we've done and teamed with uh, Union Creative and um, IO Landark on, I think it's been like the best, one of the best community engagement processes we've done um, and most robust, I think most like interactive um, and it's, it's really going to serve us past COVID as, you know, what to do, best practices in community engagement. So that's been exciting. And it's really, I think, pushed us to, to think beyond what we typically do. Um, and it's been, as I've said a million times already, a fantastic process. <laughs> I love it. I, obviously, being part of Unity Creative, I can I can vouch for this experience. It has been, it has been novel. It has been you know familiar. It has been super fun. Um, I think that uh, the feedback that we've gotten from the community is is more and and and, and more exciting you know than than anything that we've done before. Um, Jake, we have made it to the portion of the show that we have uh, kind of gotten to our our section of this campaign as far as the outreach goes. Um, what sort of le- leading our team, um, and uh, we'll we'll hear from Matt and his experience here in just a second. Um, what were your thoughts coming into this? Those initial conversations that you had, the limitations that that we collectively had going into it with COVID, and then the response that we have coming out of it. Let's start talking about that. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously COVID put some interesting constraints on us. Um, not just the obvious ones, right? Not just thinking about well, we can't physically be together in the same ways, um, or it might be more difficult to connect with people in certain ways. But, you know, also just people's headspaces has been really different. Um, this is something that I've noticed in all the projects we're working on, is that getting people to think big picture has been really challenging throughout this. People are 
like we're all kind of in fight or flight mode right now in these interesting ways. And I think people are settling through that, but especially as we were starting this process, things were still really intense. And I think, so getting people to step sort of back and, and beyond their immediate concerns and be able to think big picture about what they want to see in their community. I think that was one of the first hurdles to think about. Um, but, you know, I think ultimately what we were able to do with this particular project is narrow in on this keyword of welcoming. Um, and I think once we did that and we used that as the origin from which to build the whole campaign, I think things started coming together really nicely, right? We wanted outside of COVID, not even considering COVID, we wanted this campaign and we most importantly, we wanted this plaza to feel welcoming to a broader part of our community than has ever felt welcome in, in, you know, in this area, right? Like we wanted everybody to be able to be connected and welcome to the space. And so using that as a starting point, I think allowed us to open up to some innovative ideas that don't necessarily come into traditional community engagement work. Um, so I think it's really about, for us, we just shifted the why a little bit and it's, it's built into the work that, that we always do. But I think for this project, because we had to deal with those constraints of COVID, we were allowed to think a little bit more openly and find these innovative solutions and, and narrow in on that, that core idea of building a welcoming space rather than, you know, kind of dealing with maybe some of the other things we might've had to deal with in certain normal circumstances. Matt, you're part of sort of a, a little bit of a dream uh, intern, you know, situation here. Um, talk a little bit about your experience. You know, what, what, have, you, what have you learned? Uh, what will you take with you? Uh, congrats on the official new gig that I don't know if I knew about. So that's fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely no regrets. It's, it's, it's amazing to, well, it's a huge compliment to, to, to be asked by Jake to go and become part of his, his company. And so that's been, that's been amazing. Um, the experience has been uh, surreal. I think, I, you know, I came on board with Jake literally as, you know, everything was hitting the fan. Uh, and and it's been interesting to go ahead and see how um, how we react and how the public reacts. And I, I think that um, what has been encouraging and what, one of the things that's been so fun uh, about this um, this opportunity and and about this project is that it has created a lifeline for the community. Um, you know, I think that um, you know the situations that we've found ourselves in. The climate that we found ourselves that we find ourselves in, a lot of people have put up a lot of walls, um, you know, literally and figuratively, to go ahead and and, and just feel safe in their space. Uh, but we all long for what was there before, right? We talk about the new normal, and uh, this project has, I think, given a lifeline to the community. Um, to go ahead and see outside of those divisions and to go ahead and see outside of the place that we found ourselves in. And so it's been really, uh, really exciting and a lot of fun to go ahead and um, engage. Like I, I, I can honestly say that when we went, when we sat down and did the welcoming committee or the welcome fest, that was the first time that I had spent in anybody's company other than my wife and my dogs in weeks, months maybe. And so, you know, it, it was it was an incredible experience. I honestly can say that I had never seen uh, a crowd so universally diverse and interesting uh, at an Ogden gathering before. And so, 
you know, just seeing that told me right away that we were heading in the right direction and whatever we were doing, we were doing it right and we were doing it well. So, Matt, nicely said. Um, I have a question for you, Cam. So collectively, what, what I love about this conversation is that we have all been uh, in some shape or form involved with this project and the Nine Rails District for many years. Uh, it, it goes back, you know, a lot further for others, but it has been many years for all of us, right? And so, uh, Cam, from some of those early conversations that you and I have had uh, with Jake when we started getting more and more involved with these projects and things, uh, you started to shape some ideas of what you would like to see in the district and then eventually into this plaza. How has the reality of you know, the Sasaki designs really kind of lived up to some of those initial, you know, impressions that you had. I, I think it's exceeded expectations. Um, it's not, to be completely honest, I mean, the approach in my mind was always from a very high level um, and just saying like, I, there's so much opportunity here and it's not my skill set to, to impose like, design thought to this that's going to be Sasaki's skill set at the table so you know I always wanted to try the best that I could with collaboration with with Jake Union Creative and the city to just open up as many doors so that the there were just options on the table and the more options and more possibilities and then we could sort of trim it back from there and then start building the parameters and understanding those parameters either from the community's standpoint or um, the city's, the, the physical, um, the landscape of the site. Um, so I think to see it uh, in its current proposed stage, it's, it's amazing. And I couldn't be more excited about it, really. And so the conversation brings us, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I have to pipe up there too, because I think, um, the reason the project is exceeding all of our expectations is because of the incredible work that the design team has done, but it's also because of the partners that are contributing to funding the plaza. Like this is something that would be probably a couple years down the road from even happening um, if it was just left to the city to fund. Um, but we are just super lucky and grateful to have um, the Dr. Ezekiel R. and Edna Wada Stumpke Foundation which is making a major contribution to help us fund the plaza. Um, Odds and Contemporary Arts also um, providing funding through a ramp grant for the plaza and Weber State University. And I think that that assortment of partners demonstrates the confidence that the, the community has and the impact that this project will have. And it's, it's helping us push this project to a place where it is exceeding kind of what we had hoped it might be. Sarah, I love that you read my notes without even seeing my notes. And so <laughs> that was absolutely next is, is the big thank you. And I love that it came from you as well. And so uh, this really does kind of take us to, we're getting closer to present day, right? And so um, at this point, um, we have, what, what was the, the percentage of our design at this point, Anna? How far along are we? Well, I'll let Ashley, the project manager, know or answer that. She, she's very clear on the percentage. Okay. 
We're uh, quickly approaching 60% documentation, so a little bit more than halfway through the design, um, and we're really getting down to, to fine-tuning details, which is really exciting. We'll be um, bringing that towards the advisory committee in the next couple of weeks and, and sharing what we've been updating. Um, it's definitely changed. Um, I would say a lot, but maybe a little bit from, from some other perspectives from 30% design based on um, kind of new information that we've got, which again, it's making the design better. It's it's that point um, where you get new information and it makes it more exciting, richer. Um, so we're excited as uh, we're developing details. Um, Anna and I were just talking about wanting to just sketch and sketch on this project. Um, so we can't wait to uh, unveil what we've been working on with you all. I love it. And I do have a question for Jake next, um, where this is, Let's call this our little, uh, you know, oasis that we that we're creating, right, on the corner of Twenty Fifth and Ogden Avenue. There, um, this will be an incredibly inviting space, but this will be very new to Ogden, right? And so that inherently comes with uh, it's going to be challenging to some degree to the community. And so, how have we started to bridge that? Um, and then, what are our next steps to make it so that? This space is from day one, uh, continues to be welcoming to the public. Yeah, I think that, you know, as we've been trying to push boundaries with the design, which has been something we've been really interested in, we've always been making sure those are rooted back in things we've heard from the community, right? So we're not just trying to, to push boundaries for the sake of expressing our own creativity. We're trying to push boundaries to more deeply and more meaningfully meet the needs of the community in ways that folks may not have thought possible, right? So, you know, we've really heard that the community wants a space that's fun and playful and colorful and is full of nature um, and facilitates all kinds of, of great contemporary art, whether that's sculpture or dance or performance or a small acoustic set. And, you know, so we're really thinking about how do we take those those values and those concepts and push them as far as we can? Um, so I would hope that while this space will feel new and unique, it will feel more Ogden than anything else has felt, right? That's, that's kind of the goal is that it feels new, but comfortable at the same time. And I think there's also a very large portion of our community that has felt hungry for a lot of things for a lot of time for a long time. Like we, we travel or we visit other parts of other communities or even other parts of our own community and we, we are hungry for things that we don't have. Um, we feel that maybe there's gaps here that, that shouldn't be. And this design, I think, dovetails into some of those gaps in just such an elegant and beautiful way that will sort of feed that hunger but still feel rooted in, in this kind of gritty town of Ogden that we have here. I love it. What, what are our next steps um, for outreach? Uh, so we've got a couple of virtual Q&A meetings coming up, uh, depending on when this airs, you either can catch it us. It was amazing or it's coming up. It was either great or it's coming up, yeah. Um, but we have a total of six more uh, virtual Zoom meetings. Probably the best way to keep a tab tabs on those is the website, which is ninerailsplaza.com. There's all kinds of information about this project there, including the opportunities to engage coming up. Um, but we have a total of six more virtual Zoom 
question and answer sessions. Three will be in English and three will be in Spanish. Uh, and those will be opportunities to see the design, to talk about what could happen at the design, uh, sorry, um, at the plaza from a programming perspective. So um, yeah, just keep an eye on the website. I would say it would be your best, best spot. Perfect. Okay, so we're gonna kind of wrap things up a bit. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, Sarah, having to sort of take off is a good reminder that we were probably at a good time here. But uh, Lori, I have maybe one of the last questions for you, and that is the importance of momentum and uh, sort of the development of Ogden Arts and the Nine Rose Creative District. And as I see every grand and small and large project that we do, uh, it, it gets us to the next one, right? To the next yeah. place. And yeah. so let's, let's talk about that. And so the way these projects work, um, while we're in the middle of one, you're thinking of the next one. Like you're constantly sort of thinking what these next steps are. And so how important is the success of each project as we go? It's extremely important. Important. You got to think of it as a snowball rolling down the hill. Like as we drop off these little, you know, new murals or public art pieces or this arts plaza, it's gaining more and more attention and draw and causing people to put that in their mind. Like, oh, you know, there's, there's something happening in the creative district. How can I be a part of that? Like that momentum is extremely important for the organic growth of the art scene and the and the creative district in Ogden. Um, that's something that Sarah, who isn't here to chime in, but this is something that's been so important to us. We've been just, you know, striving to make sure that this um, creative district and what happens in it is coming from the community. We didn't want to program or design at the community. We really were holding strong that it was more organic and that the community was driving what they wanted and kind of driving what is happening. And so this momentum will help drive the future um, organic nature and growth of what's happening. So, and this is like the, the piece that we needed, like that programmable space that's accessible to everyone that any little, you know, a little poetry group can say, hey, you know, we're going to have a poetry reading in the plaza and it gives them a space to do their thing and get that literary type of art out into the community. And that's really, really the magical thing that we wanted. It's just the, the piece that is going to make this district, I think, start to really grow. I love it. Uh, as we're sort of wrapping things up, uh, is there anything amongst the group that you have been biting your tongue on? Anything else you'd like to say at this point? Excellent. We hit some good bases. I love it. Uh, hopefully this will be the first of several get-togethers, if it's okay with everybody. I think we covered some really good ground. I think that uh, I would love everybody to know that this project is in the community sphere as much as it is, right? Uh, it's one of the reasons we're doing these Q&A sessions. It's the reason why we put together the Welcome Fest. Uh, there's a lot of decisions that are being made that perhaps the, the listeners in the community may not be aware of, but there's so much of that information that is available to you. And the feedback is, you know, it still continues to shape, you know, Ashley's design at this point, right? I love that the additional information uh, I love that the additional information that you get, you take into account even at this point, Anna, um, and that it does affect all of those. Um, 
And so thank you very much, uh, Lori Buckley, Sarah Mace, uh, Ashley Peltier, uh, and of course, Cam McLeod, Jake McIntyre, Matt Killebrew, and Shalay Larson uh, for hopefully our first of many conversations. I do appreciate your time. Have a wonderful night. Happy Halloween. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank, thank you. you so much, you guys. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to episode 24 of the Nine Rails Arts Podcast, produced by the Banyan Collective, arts and adventure podcasting since 2010. Don't miss an episode of the Banyan Collective's Nine Rails Arts Podcast as we explore what it means to be an adventurous creative. Hear the stories of Ogden's new Nine Rails Creative District, recorded from the Banyan Collective studio, located in the district's epicenter and home of artisans, designers, and creatives, the Monarch Building. Follow the Nine Rails Arts Podcast on Facebook and also on Instagram at the number Nine Rails. For more from the Banyan Collective, search the Banyan Collective on Apple's podcast app, Spotify, and YouTube. This week, we'll leave you with a little something from Van Sessions, Banyan Collective's live podcast music series recorded live during Ogden's First Friday Art Stroll from the Monarch Building in the heart of the Nine Rails Arts District. This is Ogden's own singer-songwriter Christian Scheller. Well, thanks for being here tonight. Tell us about song number two. All right. This is uh, the very first song I ever wrote. I think it's actually really uh, relevant right now. This is called Self. It's kind of about uh, showing some self-love, feeling yourself a little bit.
The tears they still fall down like rain. Come on, show yourself love. Come on, make it feel true. Everyone has their trouble. Everyone feels blue. Nice. <laughs> nice.